Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand marketing strategist, personal branding and business coach, and a branding photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was afraid to put myself out into the world as an entrepreneur. Was I really even an entrepreneur? Did I know enough? Was I enough? Have you asked yourself those questions too? For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, visions, and values. My goal is to help you build a strong foundation for a brand, business, and life success without the overwhelm and frustration of starting something new or changing directions. Through interviews with inspiring guests and solo episodes, I will help you navigate the world of entrepreneurship and all of the challenges that pop up along the journey. You'll find inspiration and guidance, be entertained and enlightened. So grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive in to a new episode. Welcome to another episode of the Second Phase Podcast. My guest today is a hope dealer. His message is inspiring and empowering. Sometimes a wrong turn actually sets you on the right path. Sometimes, instead of having a village to support you, you are abandoned, orphaned, and become the village for yourself. He is a speaker, entrepreneur, podcaster, and a man passionate about helping underprivileged and underserved youth find a path to success. His message, don't let you beat you. Derek Kirk, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am honored that you're here with me. You have had one heck of a journey. Your resiliency, your fight to success, and your belief in yourself, and now the role you're playing to empower underprivileged children who are in a place that you came from, to me, is so incredibly inspiring. So... I'm going to stop talking about you for a second, and I'd like for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your backstory and how you came to be the man you are today. Sure. Uh, It started at uh, eight years old, where the state took me and my brothers uh, and sisters away from my mother, where we went into a foster care system. The cause was because our mother abandoned us, me at eight years old, my little sister at six years old my older sister at nine and my brother at 10 years old. And we uh, went our separate ways. They took my brother somewhere separate and they took my sisters and I together to a foster home where it didn't quite work out for me. So they sent me over to an orphanage and I spent about 10 years of my life uh, living in that orphanage and trying to navigate life living inside of an orphanage, which is pretty weird because you don't really have friends over. You're not allowed to sleep over people's houses. There's rules that a state allows an orphan kid 
that that's how the rules are kind of set. You you can't just change a rule and you can go ask, you know, someone to stay over or someone to come over or stay out past a certain time. Um, I have to get permission from a judge to do anything, no matter what it is. I have to get permission to go to prom. I have to get permission to wear certain things that may cause an image uh, or something or someone to speak bad about the orphanage. Uh, you're completely controlled by a judge. And that's how I grew up in a system like that. Uh, navigating girlfriends is kind of out of the question. All your friends live in the orphanage. We kind of stayed away from making friends on the outside because of how complicated that friendship would become. When people usually hear that you live in an orphanage, they automatically feel bad for you. So I never wanted people to treat me different growing up in there. So I never told anyone where I lived. People usually think that I have two parent household. So I let them think that. I never correct them. Uh, along the way, that helped me be treated like everyone else growing up in that orphanage. Whether I played sports, they treat me all the same. No one knew for years because I got a taste of what it felt like when someone found out. One of my teachers found out from the office of my background and she treated me uh, so different to where it made me feel uncomfortable. She would cut my class assignments in half and make it to where I don't have to do, you know, some of the work on these, these assignments she would give us. She would say, Derek, you don't have to do the last 15 questions. Just do the first five. And I do the first five and I would get an A. And the rest of the class would look at me and like, why, why does he only have to do the first, which would make me feel uncomfortable because now they're going to want to know why. And so... I would have to later pull that teacher to the side and, and let her know, like, hey, it's making me feel uncomfortable that my peers are now looking at me, wondering why am I only doing, you know, half of the assignment. So she would then go back to making me do the entire worksheet. But uh, I guess she thought she was helping. And so I would really prevent teachers from treating me different and anyone else who finds out from treating me different uh, when they found out. Growing up in there was definitely... Still one of the best things that could have happened. It allowed me to be as strong as I possibly can be uh, on my own. It gave me independence that I'm not sure I would have gotten any other way. The, the friendships that I've built in there, some of those are long life friends. You build brotherhoods in there. It's kind of like a fraternity. It's for life. Uh, the staff members that was in there, they look after you ever since you were eight years old. And they've been working there until you turn 18. You're, you're kind of like a little brother or son to them. So those relationships really get serious. And these people really mean something to you. After I've been in there since I was 18, it was time to part ways with this orphanage. And um, that was a struggle because I was completely unprepared for what's after. Usually when it happens, they pull you in a room and say, hey, you're turning 18. You're aging out of the system we have to find you somewhere to go. And usually it's some apartment that they may have paid uh, one month's rent for. You don't have any job prospects at all. So you just kind of say, here's your keys and here you go. You got about 30 days of shelter. And 30 days of shelter is what I had before I was homeless at 18. And right before I went off to school, and luckily I did go off to school because that's what uh, solved my homeless problem. And through school, 
is where I met more long uh, life friends. And that is where I also got adopted as an adult as well to my uh, adoptive parents. And so it's been a wild journey for sure, living on the outside of <laughs> the world in a way. And uh, growing up in an orphanage, you are, you're definitely a different kid growing up without a regular childhood than everyone else. So a lot of things that people talk about in their childhoods when I'm listening or when my friends are sharing their stories, I can never relate at all, which is uh, sad uh, because you're kind of more, you're just an alien to some people. They're, they're just shocked to meet someone that grew up like that in, in the United States. They're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that people lived like this in this country. But yeah, there's a bad, it's a, it's a lot. It was a lot of kids in there. I was just one of them, but it was hundreds of us in there. It was maybe four or 500 kids living in there. I'm only one. And I, that was just one orphanage. It's probably hundreds of them throughout the country. But you get forgotten about in the country. And so you really have to forge your own way. And I was one of those ones that came out of the other side just fine. So your story is so remarkable. I have, my mind is just spinning. I have so many questions. And, you know, I've read... I read all the time. And so I've read a lot about, you know, the orphanage, the orphanages of years ago, you know, not like current day orphanages. My grandfather actually grew up in an orphanage mm-hmm. and, you know, he would tell us stories and, you know, I was always just in awe. And then in high school, we actually had the orphanage my grandfather grew up in was still in existence when I was in high school. And so some of those kids came to school with us. Wow. We met them, you know, in the public school, but I can see now, and I didn't know them because I was too young, too naive, too immature, but I can see now how they did. They stuck together. Yeah. And that was their life. They were never at a party. They were never at games or anything like that. They always went straight on the bus back to the orphanage. That's correct. That's exactly how it operates. And even in the public, we didn't separate because it builds a brotherhood. You don't trust anyone on the outside. You can't relate to anyone on the outside. Even on the outside, uh, you become friends with people on the outside, but still every day you see me with someone who you may not know that is from the orphanage, but we're it's a close net circle. And even though we have other friends that are not in there and we laugh and have fun with them just the same, but we have a much closer bond uh, to people that are. And so, yeah, you witness that. So when you got out and you went to college, it was a whole new world. Yeah. You had freedom that you'd never had before. How was it to, I mean, obviously you're very successful now. So you didn't go down the wrong path too dramatically anyway, because you have come out so incredible. But what was that like? How did you avoid, you know, getting into trouble, getting in with the wrong crowd, making decisions that you'd never had to make? before, but yet you made them in a sound way. Wisdom. It just sums it up. It's, I had wisdom. I'm in one of the only friends that I have that took a curve like this with such triumph. Yes. But it has been difficult for some other friends to climb, to try to reach some sort of level of success after being in there, but watching and learning from others mistakes. As my friends make mistakes, as my brothers and family members make mistakes, I, I kind of want to uh, watch and know, okay, I can't do that. You know, I can't do that and take advice very seriously. 
especially when you're younger, when someone says, don't do that, or you should try doing this, or you should do that. Usually I listen. I take everyone's information very seriously when I grew up. Um, I take advice very seriously. So that helped guide me and make my decisions is asking a ton of questions when I was younger and taking advice at every turn and watching people make mistakes and uh, wisdom help just, yeah. And if I want to try something, I try it. If it doesn't work, I move on. You know, I don't bask in mistakes at at all. So Mm -hmm. just pure wisdom helped me navigate (laughs) and it saved saved a lot of time and, and kept me out of trouble. Well, and something you said, and I think it's a lesson for everyone, because when you listen, when you get curious and you listen, you learn. And that's how you build a foundation of wisdom, right? Yes. So one thing that I saw that you posted on Instagram, and I loved this quote was, I've lost count how many times I've failed, but you know who cares? Nobody. So pick yourself up. Yeah, that is definitely, people think that when they fail, it's over. They embarrass themselves, <laughs> you know, or people make mistakes. They think somebody cares. <laughs> nobody, nobody does. Nobody cares. It's all in our own heads. Uh, social media definitely has um, brought an unrealistic self-awareness that isn't there. So when we um, make mistakes or something's not working out or you're starting a business and it's not working out, but yet all your family and friends know about it and you're so embarrassed these things are all false. No one really cares. So just keep trying or quit or try something else that you're more passionate about. It's okay to restart again, but yeah, no one cares. So keep pushing. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about your, I'm going to call it your key phrase, your key message. Don't beat you. Yes. Don't let you beat you is one of those things that's helpful to the person that's hearing it. Everyone hears it different. You know, everyone hears it different. It lets you hear your faults and and whatever reason you have that those things are holding you back, you are holding you back. That's the only excuse is, is you are holding you back. So that don't let you beat you is uh, you definitely don't want others to beat you, but you should fall into that same category. Don't let you beat you either. I love that. Hold yourself accountable, basically, for taking action to just do something. If you do nothing, you're never going to progress. You're never going to succeed. So if you take that action and don't hold yourself back, ignore all those things that you're making excuses of, all those excuses that are just inside your head. They're not real. They're just inside your head. So once you get past just doing, uh, a lot of people are fear of making a mistake make a ton of them. Oh, well, you know, just make a ton of them because one of those turns, you're not going to make a mistake. So, so make a bunch of them. I love that. That's such great advice. So that brings me to your foundation and the work you're doing with underprivileged kids. So kids who maybe are in the same situation you were in or something similar. What obviously you started that out of a sheer passion from your life experience. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit about that and some of the stories of how you're helping these youth. Yeah, some of the ways I help is I like to give to um, grade school classrooms who are short on school supplies uh, as well. I like to give to uh, single mothers, help them pay for utilities. I like to homeless teens. I like to 
help support their first transportation. So if they need a vehicle, I like to see them get uh, themselves back on track. And then I come in and help them with any other anything else that I can help with. Uh, I like to help people that were pretty much yeah in the same situation I was, because that's all I needed was some help. I was trying my hardest on my own, and just a little help could get me much further. And those are the people I look for to try to help is people who are just really trying and grinding themselves who just need a little bitty push. Something so little could. It do something so much like a car. Not a, a little beat up car could now get this person to and from their part time job outside school, help them get to school on time. Something so small could yet give them such great results. Those kind of things, and it was just a pure passion of mine. And I do allow donations as well, but most of the time, I funded myself. That's amazing. So. When you were, and I'm kind of skipping around a little bit, but when you were homeless, Mm -hmm. that it was a short period of time, Mm -hmm. but you had to have been really afraid. I didn't know it was going to be a short period of time. When you're homeless, you're you're homeless. I didn't know how I was going to get to school. My school wasn't up the street from where I was homeless. You know, I didn't have any resources. So you're just going day by day, trying to figure it out, wrecking your brain, trying to piece it together. These homeless stories I've heard, they get out of hand. You know, you think it's going to be a minute and then you look up and it's five years you've been on the street. So uh, you're really just trying to find a way and, and navigate through it. And that's all I was doing every single day was I wasn't just trying to where am I going to sleep tonight? Where am I going to eat today? No, I'm. what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do the next day? What am I going to do the next day? What am I going to do the next day? So I was just thinking ahead and that helped me uh, navigate pretty well. Did you have a phone? Like, how did you check email? You were you were going to go to college. You knew that. Mm-hmm. But how did you how did you even get yourself, you know, checking in to know where to be and what time and how you were going to get there? Like, I, what tools did you have? What resources? No, I didn't have a phone. They did have pay phones. And so with the pay phone, I did have a few dollars to make some calls. So I just reserved those calls for one was so I can get a ride to get to school. <laughs> and uh, one was for emergencies. And this would seem like an emergency, but I was very stubborn to where I didn't like to bother people and burden them. Even though being homeless seems like a time you should call someone. In my head, it was not. In my head, it was like, no, I can fend for myself for a while and then make this call when I need to and make this call when I need to and make this call when I need to. And that's how I I kind of operated at that age is I only will call the, these people in an extreme emergency. If it's not that, I will figure out a way for myself. And that's how I move forward. I definitely uh, only use my contacts and my support and dire situations. And I didn't consider being homeless one of them. I felt being homeless was something I could figure out for myself. Wow. I'm just blown away at your strength at such a young age. You're, and you said it, you had wisdom, you had a gift. Like, did you feel you had a guardian angel? Did you feel God was watching over you the whole time? Did you have a, like a source of faith and energy that kept you moving? I definitely, my mind was going a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> you know, when you're in those situations, you definitely don't have time to reflect in those. <laughs> it's, it's, it's no time 
to reflect at, at all. You're just going. You're just going and going. And people do ask me how, how, like if someone else is going through this, how do they figure it out like you did? And I tell them it's one of those things that's inside you that you either got it or you don't. It sucks that it's, it is that uh, because people fall victim to the streets every day, all day, someone's falling victim and they're not navigating like I did, but there's others who are coming out the other side. And if you meet each and every last one of those people that are coming out of the other side, I can guarantee each of them will have something in common. You would immediately talk to these people and you would notice something about each and every last one of them that are similar. And that is what I share. It's something you, you either have this thing or you don't have this thing. And, and that's what helped you navigate. I can't put my finger on it, but I've seen it in other kids. I've met plenty of kids in a situation like me. And as I'm meeting a bunch of these kids, these certain kids catch your eye and you can kind of see like that kid's going to be fine. Regardless of whatever life throws at that kid there, he's going to be fine. He's, he's a completely different breed. And I met hundreds of those kids on my journey giving back. They definitely stand out. Uh, they definitely stand out after you meet these kids. You either have it or you don't. It's, it's one of those sad situations where a lot of kids do fall victim because they don't have the tools to pull themselves up and they will need a lot of support. You know, you're not the first person that I've interviewed on the show that was homeless. And what I think you're at least the second, but maybe the third, I'm trying to think back. But the one thing that I definitely see in common is one, you have drive mm -hmm. Two, you're very resilient. Mm -hmm. You're incredibly smart. You're resourceful, mm -hmm. but you also have a heart mm -hmm. and a level of empathy that most people don't have because Every person that I've met that was homeless and succeeded, mm -hmm. transformed their life, they give back. Mm -hmm. They serve. They're in the nonprofit world. They're doing things to give back and make a difference and transform other lives. Mm -hmm. And that's empowering. Because we caught on to the journeys are, are different, but similar. We know that, yeah, we came out, but there's someone who did something for us along the way that didn't have to do it. And so we know that that's the key part in it all. We can have all these tools to get out, but along the way, somebody's going to do something for you. We know that. That's guaranteed, no matter who you are going through this struggle, someone's going to come along and help you in some way. And we could be that helping someone else, even if we're just one of many. But out of that bunch of people that we're helping, we're going to be that one person for somebody. So Derek, tell me, I know you had a blog post that I read, the top five skills to develop. Yep. So I'm going to make an assumption here that these skills are skills that you learned throughout your journey. Yep. And then adding education onto that, yep. you have now used those skills in a way that have made you incredibly successful. I mean, you can't be a motivational speaker without having had some level of success. Yeah. You can't become an author without having some level of drive, determination, and intelligence. So tell me about these five skills that my listeners as entrepreneurs or people looking to create their second phase, what are these top five skills? First one is communication. 
One thing I like to say is that when you open your mouth, you tell people who you are. And communication is one of them. I practice speaking just because I want to be ready. Even if it's just a simple conversation, you want to read things and know things that are completely useless, maybe useless in your life, but yet could be very informational just to have. You definitely want to be well-rounded and knowledgeable. Communication is number one. If you have great communication skills, you're going to automatically get further than someone else who don't. That's just a given. Just that skill alone will catapult you to a certain level. So number two is negotiation. You got to be able to negotiate anything. So practice that, whether you're negotiating an invoice, whether you're negotiating a job, just give it a try. And I'm, and I met people that just don't know how or just don't do it. Like they just take whatever, you know, job offer given. They, they read the offer letter and it's, it's just junk. But yet they say, yeah, because they don't know how to negotiate. They're scared to. It makes them sweat. It makes them shake just to, you know, call them back and say, hey, can I get this instead of this? And can I do this instead of that scares them? But getting over that fear of negotiating will will give you a tool that will make you strong all the way around. You'll you'll be very well rounded and you can practice that at your job. If you're in a position, try negotiating any and everything you possibly can so you get comfortable with that. Number three is listening. Definitely listening is everything. Listening helps build relationships. Listening makes you a good coworker, good boss, a good mentor. Listening is you're going to need it eventually. And so practice it in your personal life or with your employer as well and, and build on that. When someone knows you're a good listener, they come to you. And you want to be one of those people, people come to. That's how opportunities open up. And time management is everything. Definitely time management. Show up on time. Show up early. If you can, definitely showing people that you're dependable is everything. So if you have a long list of things to do, if you have to cut someone short because you have to be somewhere, uh, that's not a sign of disrespect. That just shows, okay, <laughs> you have good time management skills. So do that because uh, you don't want to be late for someone else, no matter how small that thing is. That's one thing you should have uh, dependable is your time management skills. And number five is uh, problem solving. That's a pretty big one is you want to be the person that solves problems because you're you want to be the person they go get. And especially if you're starting your own business, Problem solving is all you're going to be doing every day. And so uh, practice that while you can, because it needs to be a habit. You need to be so used to problem solving where you just show up to a problem, even if it isn't yours. You just show up ready to solve it. Love that. All right. So this has just been a fabulous conversation. And I could keep talking to you all day long because I'm so curious and I want to know so much more. But obviously, we have a time limit and I want to respect your time. But you have a book coming out. So before we close out the episode, I would love for you to tell the listeners about the book and where they'll be able to find the book and all of those good details. Yes, uh, the book will be on my website, DerekKirk.com. It's called The uh, uh, King of Orphans. And the book just pretty much goes over my experience living in the orphanage. 
And uh, I want to share that with people so they get a, a real look inside the day-to-day life of an orphan from start to finish. You get to see, I tell you about every little thing I possibly can remember to what we ate for breakfast, you know, every morning, how we made our beds, you know, what's it would like living with 30 roommates, all kids my age, every single day for years. What's uh, it like when one of them leave for you? You know, like all these things growing up, I share that. I went to prom living there, you know, so I, I want to share that. It's from start to finish my complete life living uh, in the orphanage. I love that. Yeah. And so it'll be available on your website. Yes. You go to the website, it'll hit you right in the face. <laughs> when does it publish? It published in March. March. Okay. And so, yeah, the first Monday of March, uh, it'll be available on the website. Awesome. Awesome. And the foundation, how can people get involved or donate or support you in your mission? Back to the website as well. You can see the foundation, go there and support however you want. If you want to email us to tell us how you can support or you want to ask how you can support, you can have a conversation with us and we can help you figure that out. Or you can donate directly uh, from the website. And are you all over the United States or just in the Detroit area? All over the United States. Awesome. Yep. Fantastic. Derek, thanks so much for being here. I enjoyed our conversation. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed the episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? It would mean the world to me. Ratings and reviews are what give life to podcasts and help others find us. And it truly warms my heart to read them. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. Before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? Find me at the Robin Graham. I'd love to connect with my listeners and learn more about you too. So take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you and know that you've listened. You can also find me on Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as the Robin Graham. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies and to be part of a community of like-minded people, join the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are live every week with incredible trainings to help you build a solid foundation for your brand and business. Until next time, remember to smile.